You'd open your Bibles to uh, our text is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? You know, the sense of smell. You know, in many ways, the sense of smell is a blessing and a curse. You know, uh, that smell of bacon, that's a blessing. To be able to smell bacon, that, that bacon frying just smells so good. So that's a blessing, but, you know, sometimes it's a curse. That dead skunk in the middle of the road. Uh, you know, there's an interesting thing about uh, scents or fragrances and aromas is that they are pervasive. Like that skunk scent, it just kind of surrounds you completely, permeates and penetrates everywhere. The little congregation I preached at uh, when I was in preaching school, it was an old, old church building. It was on a uh, pier and beam foundation, and there was a family of skunks that lived underneath, and, and uh, you could tell. Uh, there was a certain smell that just pervaded that whole building, and they couldn't seem to, to ever get rid of them. And so, you know, some smells just seem to surround us and come from all directions. I was looking at an article on the internet, discovery.com, and there was an article that I thought was very interesting. It talks about that smells have a stronger link to memories and emotion than any other of the senses. And so the, the thing about smell is that it does evoke memories and emotions, you know, the smell of apple pie reminds me of mom's cooking in a, of the love of family. And so you smell that, that pie cooking. You smell these, uh, these smells that, that bring back your memories of things that, you know, maybe were uh, pleasant in your mind. Also, it might bring back, uh, you know, some memories that were not quite so pleasant, like the time when the, uh, the septic tank backed up into the house when I was a kid. Not a good day it was. Not a good day at all. Not a very pleasant memory. But you know, uh, God doesn't have a physical nose because He is a spirit. And spirit hath not flesh and blood, but He does have a sense of smell. Over in Genesis chapter 8 and verses 20 and 21, here we read of, of Noah after the ark landed and after they were on dry ground. It says, And Noah builded an ark unto the Lord. And took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. When he smelled uh, Noah's sacrifice, it was a sweet smelling savor unto him. Uh, I have a note from the, the pulpit commentary. It says that the Lord smelled a sweet savor, an odor of sac satisfaction, acquiescence, I think I said it right, or rest. The meaning is that the sacrifice of the patriarch was as acceptable to God as refreshing odors are to the sense of man. 
And we read uh, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, 39 times we read that God smelled a sweet-smelling savor. In Exodus 29 and verse 18 and verse 25 and in verse 41. Uh, three types of sacrifices were made to, sac to consecrate the priests. And the smell of each burnt offering was a sweet savor unto the Lord. And so uh, in the context, as we're looking in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, there are, really, there are two words, and I'm going to blank the screen on purpose, so don't turn it back on. <laughs> uh, in the context here, there are two words translated either savor or sweet-smelling savor. In verses 14 and 16, the word there is osme, which is found six times in the New Testament. It's basically a general word for smell or odor. Uh, according to Strong's, it is a uh, dictionary, it is a fragrance, literally or figuratively, an odor. Uh, Thayer just defines it as a smell or odor. We see it used in John chapter 12 and verse 3, where it says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment, the, the smell of the ointment. Not necessarily saying it was a sweet smell, though it probably was. It was a costly uh, type of perfume. But it's just talking about the smell that it, it filled the entire house. The Hebrew equivalent to that is the word reach, found in Genesis 27 and verse 27. Here uh, it just talks about the smell. Uh, the smell of Esau was upon Jacob when he tricked his father. It says he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. And so it is that just general odor. But in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, We are unto God a sweet savor. And again, it's the word savor or sweet savor that we're examining here. A sweet savor here uh, comes from the Greek word euodia, which is a sweet smell or fragrance, a fragrance of a sweet smelling thing, incense or odor or something sweet smelling. Metaphorically, it is a thing well-pleasing to God. And so it is a literally a beautiful smell. It is a good smell, uh, a good smell, a uh, euodian. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18, we see this word used. It says, I have all and abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. He actually uses both words there, uh, odor and of a sweet smell. That is osme and uh, euodian. A sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing to God. We see it again in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. It says there that we're to walk in love as God also hath loved us. Or Christ also, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And so again, both words are used there. The sweet-smelling is the euodia and the savor is the osme or osme. Uh, and so Jesus uh, himself became our sacrifice in our stead, and he became that sweet-smelling uh, odor that God smelled as a, of an acceptable sacrifice. Uh, its uh, Hebrew equivalent is found in, in uh, is, uh, 
Nikoach, which is found at Leviticus 26 and verse 31, where he says, I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And so uh, those sweet odors that God says, I will not smell, that's what uh, uh, he's talking about. That's the Hebrew equivalent there. And then uh, the opposite uh, of this is uh, ba'ash uh, in Hebrew, which is to have a bad smell. Uh, that's found in Exodus chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. It says, And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. This is the, the plague of frogs there in Egypt. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. And so that is, you might say, the opposite of a sweet-smelling odor, that smell of those rotting frogs, that smell of death. And so those are the, the, the Hebrew and, and Greek terms that uh, apply to what we're talking about. But as we get back to the text here, uh, we see the aroma of the gospel. He says uh, that uh, in verse 15, that for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, I'm sorry, verse 14, uh, says, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The savor of his knowledge, the knowledge of God, the word of God, the gospel. And so he's talking about the, the, the savor of the gospel. The gospel brings triumph over sin and death. It says there, uh, thanks be to God, which causes up the triumph in Christ. And so basically what he's saying is thanks be to God for always leading us in triumph and for making manifest the aroma of his knowledge through us in every place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the, the New King James, uh, words that are a little different, says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. And the English Standard Version says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And so the thing about smells and aromas and fragrances is that they are pervasive, they surround, they suffuse, and they penetrate everywhere. And they also linger, and they take a while to fade away. Again, you can tell when a skunk was killed two days ago on the road by the smell that still lingers. Uh, and so it, it, uh, the gospel is like that. The knowledge of God is also like that. The beauty of the gospel is fragrant. It is pervasive. It surrounds. It penetrates. It suffuses all who receive it with an honest and good heart. And it lingers in their hearts and minds. And so how is the gospel like a fragrance or aroma? Again, as we said, it's, it is pervasive or widespread. It is found in every place. You know, Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12 talks about the grace that bringeth salvation. That's the gospel. Hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live uh, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. You know, we're told to go into all the world and teach all nations, make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, verse 19. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, verse 15. You think about the, the profound effect that the gospel, uh, the influence of the gospel has upon our world. Now, you talk to people today in our modern society, and, 
And they say, well, everything bad is because of the Christian faith. Everything bad in our society, they try to blame on the Christian faith. Uh, but they, don't, they fail to understand what the world would be like if the Christian faith had not appeared in this world. And so uh, it has had a great influence upon the world. A positive influence in every way. Uh, so the gospel is spread and influences the world. The gospel will never fade. It remains unchanged. Mark or Matthew 24, 35. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The aroma of the gospel leads one to faith and to righteousness and thus to be pleasing to God, thus to be a sweet-smelling savor unto God. And so that brings us to the sweet scent of faith, verse uh, 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. You know, as with the burnt offerings of the Old Testament, our offerings today Please God, our offering of faith today pleases God. When we bring our lives to God in faith, our living sacrifice is a sweet savor unto Him. You know, in Psalms 4 and verse 5, it says, There offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. You know, we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the, the sacrifice that God wants us to make is the sacrifice of our self, of our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, in Psalms 51 Whoops, we skipped that. Psalms 51, verses 17 through 19. King David, of course, after his sin and his repentance from his sin with Bathsheba, he made this uh, statement in, in Psalm 51, verse 17 through 19. He says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole offerings, then shall they offer burnt, offer bullocks upon thine altar. And so we, God wants us, he wants us to sacrifice ourselves, a living sacrifice. The sacrifice he wants is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He wants our will surrendered to His. Uh, in James 4, beginning with verse 13, it says, There go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow uh, we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. For as, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That For that ye ought to say, the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so we are to, to do everything that we do in according uh, to God's will to surrender our will to his. Even as Jesus said in the garden, uh, not what I will, but as thou wilt. He wants a surrendered life. 
Our offering of self must be sincere and from the heart must be without hypocrisy. You know, Matthew 15, 7 and 8, Jesus talked about those that draw nigh with their lips, their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, we're to be without hypocrisy. You know, what we do in, in sacrifice to God is not to be done to be seen of men, such as Matthew 6, verse 1, where he says, Take heed do not, uh, to not, that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Notice the motive. To be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He goes on and talks about it in verse 5 in the context of giving. And in verse 16, or, or uh, the context of um, fasting. And so uh, we're not to do what we do just to be seen of men. You know, we must have our heart right. Uh, in Acts 8 verse 21. Uh, there, uh, Peter rebukes that one formerly known as Simon the sorcerer. He says, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. You know, everything we do must be motivated with the right attitude. You know, just as God's faithful ones smell sweet in his nostrils, the lack of faithfulness among his children has an awful stink to him. When God's people turned away from him, their sweet savor turned bitter. Amos wrote to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, he said that the Lord hated and rejected their worship. Notice Amos 5, verse 21 and 22. Uh, the Lord says, I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them, neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. He said, I don't want to smell your offerings. I don't want to smell the physical offerings that you have made because your heart is not in it. He says, I hate you. I hate your sacrifice. I hate your feast days. I despise what you're doing because your worship is not done from the hearts. Jeremiah wrote to the nation of Judah. Uh, notice uh, with me over in Jeremiah chapter 6. We're going to read a passage here beginning in verse 10. Verses 10 through 12. Notice uh, here is kind of a prelude to destruction. And verses 10 through 12 of Jeremiah 6. It says, There come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do these abominations in this house, which is called by name, become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I seen it, I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And that was Jeremiah chapter 7. I was like, I know there's a passage in here I'm trying to pull out. Jeremiah chapter 6. No charge for that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, the prelude to destruction, verse 10 through 12. Uh, the word was a reproach. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them as a reproach. Another one of their failings is that they were driven by materialism and greed in verse 13. 
it says, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, is given to covetousness, and from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They were totally without shame with regards to their sin, in verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? Nay, they were not all ashamed, at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, shall they cast, shall they be cast down, saith the Lord. They followed uh, false teaching in verse 14. They refused to walk in God's way in verses 16 and 17. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And so they uh, refused to walk in God's way. They rejected God. And so we see in verses 18 through 20, God's rejection of their worship. It says, Therefore, hear ye nations, and know, O congregations, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. To what purpose cometh there me incense from Sheba, and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. And so uh, their apostasy made it so that they could not worship God in an appropriate way. They could not worship God uh, in a way that he would accept. Uh, when you add, uh, you take away from God's word, when you stray from the path of God's righteousness, your worship is unacceptable to God. They're no longer a sweet savor unto Him. You know, we live in a world like that today, don't we? We live in a world that is characterized by all of these things. The Word of God is a reproach. Uh, people are driven by materialism and greed. There is no sense of shame. There is false teaching rampantly everywhere. And, and people just flat refuse to walk in God's way. That's the world we live in today. But what about my faith? What about your faith? Uh, will our faith shine forth? Philippians 2, 15 and 16 says that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Is our sense, our fragrance a sweet smelling savor unto God? And then uh, we see in verse 16, the scent of life or death. Uh, it says there, to one we are, he's talking about we as Christians, we are the savor of death unto death and the other of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? You know, if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, then surely fragrance is in the nose of the smeller. And so, you know, isn't it funny how, how something that smells good to one person stinks as far as another is concerned? I love the smell of coffee, but some people hate it. Now, I lived in Hawaii. I had some Korean neighbors, and they were always cooking kimchi. I hate the smell of kimchi. That stuff is horrible smelling. But my neighbors in Hawaii, they thought it was a heavenly scent. And so uh, fragrance is in the nose of the smeller. And, and with our lives lived before others, lived in the gospel before others, it is the same way. 
to some people, you know, the message of God is not a sweet savor. It is, uh, to some it is a blessing, to others it is a curse. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, he pronounced the blessings of obedience uh, versus the cursing, uh, the curses for disobedience. Uh, and we won't take the time to read those right now. You know, the gospel, though, it convicts, it leads some to repentance, and it leads some to eternal life. In uh, Acts 2, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they heard the gospel message, it says they were pricked in the heart, and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It leads some to repentance and eternal life. Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And verse 41, it says that 3,000 on that day obeyed the gospel. To them, it was the sin of life. To others, uh, it is the rejection and eternal damnation. You know, the wages of, of sin is death. But the gospel is life. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So to reject the gospel is to judge oneself unworthy. Uh, in uh, Acts 13, when Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch and Pisidia, they preached the gospel in the synagogue. And there, in verses 14 through 16, it says, When they had departed from Perga, they came to Antioch of Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood and, and beckoned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. He goes on to, to preach the gospel. Uh, many respond to that gospel message. But uh, the Jews were filled with envy. In verse 45, it says, When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And then in verses 46 to, to 48, Paul uh, makes this pronouncement upon them. It says they waxed bold and it said it was necessary that the word of God should first be, uh, have been spoken to you, talking to the Jews, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn unto the gospel. He said they had judged themselves unworthy of eternal life in rejecting the gospel. And so the only remedy for the problem of sin is the gospel. To reject the gospel is to embrace death. To the spiritually dead who reject the gospel, it becomes the savor of eternal damnation. And so that is, the gospel to some is a sweet smell of life. To others, it is the scent of death. You know, with some people though, their only exposure to the gospel may be through you. Your life may be the only gospel sermon they ever hear. And so what kind of sermon would it be? How would the gospel of your life smell to those around you? Would it be the sweet scent of faith? Or would it leave a stink in their nostrils? That's the question. In Genesis 34 and verse 30, uh, it says here that uh, about Simeon and Levi, they took vengeance upon the men of this certain city that, that took advantage of and raped their sister. And they murdered all of the men. 
And notice uh, Jacob's response. He says, And I, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. He says, You cause me to be a stink among the inhabitants of the land. You think about the influence that they could have had for God in that area. Uh, certainly is now dead because they stunk in the nostrils of those people. And so your influence in this world can either be detrimental to the spiritual being of others or it can have a positive impact on the life of many. So let us, be, let us strive to be the embodiment of what Jesus describes in Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16, where he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, and if the salt have lost his savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so let us be salt and lights. Let us show others the way. Let us help them to have the sweet scent of faith. Then and only then can we truly be a sweet savor unto God. Today, if you're here, we urge you to put on Christ in baptism. If you're not a Christian, uh, we urge you, we implore you to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to be added to the body of Christ. If you're here today as one who has been a Christian but hasn't been faithfully walking that path, we urge you to repent also. Tonight, if we can help you to respond to the Lord's invitation, let us know as we stand and as we sing.